Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Jesus, we are asking you to meet us in a supernatural way beyond what is natural. The natural is something you created, but the supernatural is your realm, your identity. We're asking for that now. We're asking to move, to hear, and to receive out of your spirit which is beyond, Lord God, the realm of our own intellect, goes deeply into the riches of your own wisdom and counsel and imparts unto us something that, Lord, is so amazing that uh, we should not contain it or be able to. And so minister to us this morning, I pray in your precious name. Amen. This morning I want to share with you about being baptized in joy. What if God had a plan to save the human race? Wouldn't that be something? Could you believe that? What if he did it through the agent that he gave authority to on the earth, mankind, and he put him as the pinnacle of all creation, and through mankind he gave him the authority and power to name all that God created and to will and to decree God's purposes in this physical realm. He gave all power and authority under man's feet. But if man falls, he would need to clean up this vessel. And so what if he sent his son to come and restore what had fallen back to mankind through his agency, the King of Kings, the last Adam, Jesus Lord, to fulfill his plan and purpose. And to do that, he would have to cleanse us out and purge us. And so what if daily, hourly, And even moment by moment, God's Spirit now within us was interceding for the will of the Father to be proclaimed and performed in the earth, right where you live, out of you. What if every Christian spoke the perfect will of God in their prayers and as an ambassador of the kingdom of God and was given authority to speak for heaven and to proclaim it? And what if all of this was given to us and operated basically by our will and choosing? So where have you set the dial? Are you on pilot? Having the Spirit of God within you to cook and to be ready when you have trouble? Are you on a low simmer? That would give you a daily devotion and feeling good that you can handle day-to-day activities. Are you in the middle range where you're excited about God and you learn and grow from Him and pay attention to Him? 
according to how your schedule permits? Or are your burners set on high, ready and available for this grand and wondrous plan of God to not only save your life, your household, but the people around you at work and who you pass in the stores and where you go in diners. And when you have a moment, you intercede. And when you are here listening throughout the day, the Spirit drops a prayer request and you begin to speak the will of God and you begin to declare the unctions of the Lord at any time. Are you ready and available is my question. Because there is the baptism of joy. The joy is here. It's how much you turn up that response to him that applies. And so we must seek first the kingdom of God. And so I want to bring you through four steps of how to get baptized into this joy and to speak about it and use the imagery of the New Testament for you to comprehend this spiritual activity. First of all, there's going to be firepower. John the Baptist spoke of it as he was in the waters of the Jordan. Matthew and Luke record what John said, and he he says this about Messiah. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. As he's approaching John to come into the baptismal waters, John says this, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire. Now this perplexes a lot of theologians, this and fire part. Some think that, well, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And the word baptize means to immerse. It is covenant language. It's important for you to understand what baptism is and does. It's not just a ceremonial rite. It is a rite that speaks of covenant where two different elements converge into one identity and the two become one. When one enters into the baptismal waters, they enter into that water and that water immerses them and they become one with the water and they rise up in a new identity. And so Jesus not only saves us by his blood, but he is going to immerse us in his nature. This isn't just some kind of Pentecostal thing. Every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is now covenanted and united and identified in the death, burial, and resurrection life of Jesus Christ and become one with him. We become his body. It's not a belief system, it's an identity. And as we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, something is supposed to accompany it. Fire. And again, theologians wonder, well, is this the baptism that is to come of those who do not believe? Because they will be immersed in fire for eternity. Jesus is going to baptize every human being either by his Holy Spirit or by his fire of judgment. Everyone will be baptized. It's just a matter of time. But this fire, in its 
word conjunction and it's coming together with the Holy Spirit is something that's going to happen in the baptism of the believer. And this following verse helps us understand it. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff will burn with an unquenchable fire. Now that does speak of judgment, but what it speaks of is a refining fire in every believer's life. This fire of the Holy Spirit is burning in you and I. And what kind of a fire is it? Unquenchable. Do you know what unquenchable is? Let me give you the Greek word here, the rendering of unquenchable. Okay? And it just slipped my mind. Asbestos, thank you, there it is. (laughs) That's what happens when you reach this age. Asbestos. And it was believed that asbestos cannot burn. Right? You put on asbestos gloves when you're handling beakers and fire and everything. Right? This is an unquenchable fire. The Holy Spirit will not go out of you. The Holy Spirit will not cease to burn in you. The Holy Spirit will not stop burning away the dross and the filth of our lives. He convicts us of sin. He continues to root out and burn that filth and that sin that you and I have in us because He's unquenchable. He is a fire of holiness. He is the fire of God's own nature. And God doesn't want contradictions in our being. If we are one with Christ, how can we have sinful ideas ideas and thoughts and ways and manners and the fire of God will burn, burn, burn till he burns it up. So we are either going to burn under that continuing unquenchable fire of his judgment in our heart or we will burn with the passion and love of serving the Lord Jesus. That's going on right now, right this morning in you. So what way are you going to go? Because this fire will not be extinguished. You can ignore it. You can walk away from it. But I want to tell you, it's burning. And so there is a firepower that is here for us. Unquenchable, purging, purging fire. Luke said this then in Luke 24, Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. He's united us to an unquenchable purging fire. It is a power from on high. It abides within the Christian believers. Tell me how Christianity in America can grow so cold as to accept what the Bible clearly indicates as sin. Because they have turned down the heat to simply a pilot light. And ignoring the word of God. But I am telling you, they will have to respond to the holy fire that is in them if it's in them. In fact, what I believe we're seeing is the difference between that which is real and that which is false. There's a wheat and tear situation going on here. And many tares look like Christians, talk like Christians and say they are. But there is coming a time now where public opinion is causing a divide among what is truly Christian and what is not. If you can't handle public opinion, then I don't think you got fire in you. I'll just put it right there and leave it. Now, with this fire is coming a birthing. 
an activity with this unquenchable spirit that doesn't stop. It's in you and it's burning. And Paul says this, when we are too weak and don't know what to pray or how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. Oh man, come on. See, the fire won't go out. Thank God. How many of you have been a little bit weak? How many of you have had absolutely no idea how to handle this situation, the problem, and you don't know what to pray for? Hallelujah, you've got an unquenchable fire that's burning on the altar of heaven in you. And it will pray for you. He will pray for you while your high priest in heaven is praying for you and interceding nonstop. And so this unquenchable fire prays for us with groanings. Everybody say groanings. Groanings. Now, this verse in Romans 8, 26 is a triplet. It is speaking of how all of creation groans and how you and I groan. And in this section, it's how the Spirit groans. And that first section of how creation groans is a reference to childbirth. All of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God as in childbirth. And so this groaning that the Holy Spirit is groaning is childbirth groaning. It wants to birth something. If God wants to birth something, he wants it birthed. But we have found we have power of abortion. I won't go there right now in this nation. But it proves to you that we have authority over life and death and we can quench the groaning of God's Holy Spirit to birth something in us and we can quit on it and abort it. His groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And here's the important part. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. I like that. There's communication going on. You've got constant communication inside of you with the throne of heaven. Constant communication. The Father knows what the Spirit's saying. For the Spirit, what does this say? Pleads. Pleads for us with groanings of birth pangs. Has anybody here had a baby? Raise your hand if you had a baby. Did you utter a word? Was there a sound that came out of you when you gave birth? Was it, oh, gee whiz, this is nice. (laughs) Paul is choosing to describe the travail of the Holy Spirit as he's groaning to birth and plead plead is he pleading with the father the father knows what the spirit's saying so if the father and the spirit are one and they're saying the same thing who's the pleading for us the ones who hold the vessel the vessel who holds the pleading spirit i have to say that again the vessel that holds the pleading spirit oh my gosh the vessel that holds the pleading spirit that's us he's pleading for us believers in harmony with god's will now get the picture of this this is happening in every believer 
Every believer. This is happening in every believer. Some Pentecostals say, oh no, this is speaking in tongues. This is just prayer language, just for Pentecostals. Well, then that would count out all other believers, and God won't do that. He's pleading for every believer because he dwells in every believer. You can't be a believer if you don't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. All right? So this is for every believer, and this is happening. But again, what it is is just a matter of what you will respond on your dial of fire. We have pilot light, we have low, we have medium, we have high. I'm speaking to a group of Pentecostals. My expectation of you is to have this thing on high because you are sensitive to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what is happening in this verse is this unquenchable fire is burning and the Holy Spirit is pleading and groaning to birth the will of the Father in your decisions and in my decisions. That if we would agree with them, Father, make them one as you and I are one. If we would agree with the will that's burning in us, that's bubbling up in us, that is, that is on fire ignited in us, and we would speak in agreement with the Spirit and the Father, the will of heaven would come into the earth. You know, and many of us say, oh yeah, well I tried that and I prayed and it didn't come to pass. This is a war. This is a war. The enemy crouches where he sees the battle raging. Paul said, pray for us because there's an open door and the enemy is there. Where do you think the enemy's going to gather? Where God wants to take ground. The, the enemy's not playing ping pong with unbelievers and hanging out with them. He wants to go where you're trying to declare the will of God because he wants to defeat it. So one prayer's not enough. You need to continue to pray and burn that fire and burn that fire and burn that fire and speak the will and speak the will and give the enemy a black eye and knock him down. But guess what? He'll get back up. But I have more authority. Prove it. Then get back in the fight and fight and fight and fight. Be unquenchable, people. If he's unquenchable, we should be too. And so the Holy Spirit is wanting to birth his will in us. And the Father knows everybody's heart. And as we're in worship, Father is looking in our hearts. And he hears the Holy Spirit saying, Father, Abba, Abba, Father, Abba. And and the Father tunes his ear to your heart because you're not thinking about McDonald's McMuffins. You're thinking about praying for something. You're thinking about what you have to do this morning and what you have to call down. There are situations, if you're on our prayer list, on our prayer line, you know there are people who are warring right now for lives for surgeries and and things that need to be done and people who are wounded and hurting. People right now this morning are crying out and there's a beacon of Abba Father. There's a fire burning and Father sees the flare signal coming out of your heart because the Spirit is birthing, birthing and He wants you to agree in prayer with Him. And Father is hovering here so that there's complete unity and you would speak the will of God into the earth. Woo! So he gives us another image as the Spirit travails for God's will. This is how he's going to get the job done. He then says this, whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
Different translation. Out of his innermost being, right? Out of his belly. The whole concept is out of your soul, your intellect, your emotion, your will, out of your identity will flow rivers of living water. Somebody tell me what that means. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, what rivers of living water flowing out of me. Am I going to spit at people? Do I take water and go, what does this mean? Why? We read it all the time. We quote it all the time. Woo, rivers of living water are going to come out of us. Hallelujah. What does that mean? In biblical language, it means words. It means speaking. It means living water. Isn't it amazing that the fire in us is going to bring living water? That's the dynamics of the Holy Spirit. It means that out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? Mouth speaks. Luke tells us to the good man, he speaks good things and blessings which bring fruit. To the bad man, he speaks evil and gives credit to the enemy. So out of the abundance of the heart. So out of your innermost heart are going to flow rivers of living water. That's the travailing of the Holy Spirit of life and what should come out of your mouth. Words of life and affirmation and edification and exhortation and peace. Words of the kingdom. Words that speak life. I'm just speaking Bible to you this morning. Okay? This isn't fashionable. Right? Christians, just stay in your church. Don't speak your mind. Don't speak out. Someone's sick. Get medicine. Don't pray. Don't. I mean, you might get embarrassed if you witness. They might reject you. So just shh, shh, shh. But you see, if your burner's on high, I can't shush, shush, shush. I can't stop. Because I keep speaking out life. I, I, I'm sorry, but life's going to come out of me. If I'm in a situation that needs life, I will speak life. I am not too timid to speak life from the throne of God. Where's this river coming from? It's God's word. It's God's life. It's not about opinions. It's about truth. And so a river of life is going to flow out of me. This is what's happening this morning. And so this is in everyone here. And so lastly, it is the language of heaven. It's a spirit language. Mark 16, 17 says, These signs shall follow. They shall speak with new languages or new tongues. Acts 2, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they all spoke with new tongues, went out into the streets and declared the good works of God. Acts 10, 46, Peter's preaching and the Spirit falls on Cornelius, a group of Gentiles, and they begin speaking in tongues, speaking the languages of heaven. You see, something happened. The Holy Spirit birthed in them. As soon as the Holy Spirit birthed in them, it came alive so extravagantly, it came out of their mouth in expressions of spirit language. Acts 19.6, Paul wondered, hey, have you guys uh, received the Holy Spirit since you believed? In other words, is there some activation that is visible here by the Holy Spirit? They said, we don't even know Jesus. So these were unsaved people. They only knew the baptism of John. So he baptizes them in the name of Jesus. They receive the truth of Jesus' word, and immediately, bang, they begin to speak out. There is a response to the speaking out. Amen? You know, and, and how many of you know a lot of times that, that when, you, uh, when you have your pilot light on, you know, when that pilot gets lit and then you want to ignite the fire, you turn it on and it goes, poof. And many times that ignition is that baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's that, it's that releasing of letting him to, poof. 
And then, then what do you typically do? Adjust your heat. And that's what happens to us. We get baptized in the Spirit. It's like, ah, hallelujah, oh my gosh. We had an experience, and then we adjust the heat. So there's spirit language. Now, what I want you to understand is in Scripture, this spiritual language, this gift of tongues, this, this expression of tongues that we declare and we believe is biblical, is the, the glossolalia is the Greek word for tongues, and it basically means languages. We use the term tongues because the King James translated glossolalia to tongues, which is an early uh, 12th century language for you know, what tongue do you speak? What language? So these are spirit languages. And there are three types in the New Testament. The first is the sign of tongues. And that's what you saw in Acts chapter 2 when they were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit immersed in them. Fire came over their head as in tongues of fire because an unquenchable fire was put in them. And out of their abundance of their mouth and the groaning and intercession of the Spirit, their mouth spoke. And as they began to speak, they spoke the sign of tongues. So this particular sign of tongues is to unbelievers. So uh, this is, in fact, more than glossolalia, it's xenolalia. Xenolalia is the speaking of known languages. And so as they burst out of the doors that they were locked behind because they were f- afraid, but this unquenchable fire took hold of them and said, I ain't afraid of nothing, went out into the streets and began to proclaim the good things of God in known languages and tongues. That's xenolalia. And that is known languages. And that is a sign to unbelievers. I've seen it happen in the assembly. I've experienced and witnessed people who speak in tongues, and as they're speaking, it is a known language. I've had people, visitors, uh, one example is a friend of mine who was stationed in Korea, and he was coming into the church to see if he wanted to see about Christianity, and there was tongues interpretation, and and after the uh, service, he said, so why'd that person speak Korean? I was stationed in Korea for three years. Why'd they speak Korean? I said, well, they didn't know Korean. What do you mean? This church speaks Korean because the guy said, the the guy that interpreted spoke Korean. Uh, And I told him, that is tongues. And that is specifically here the sign of tongues that God uses it. And the early Pentecostals in the 20th century knew that this was a sign that was to mean a missionary work. It was to go out and speak into all the languages. And it gives you power to become his witnesses. And so there is the sign of tongues, and sometimes that happens. That's not a cognitive knowing that because you took French in high school, you speak out in French. It's not that. It's supernatural, but you speak other languages. So that's the sign, and it's typically used for unbelievers. The second is the gift of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that it is for the church. It is a manifestation gift that is spoken in the assembly for believers to be edified. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that not everybody has the gift of tongues and interpretation. That is given as the Spirit wills to different people. It is a gift. So the gift of tongues, you may have heard uh, from time to time in this service, someone speaks out in a tongue. 
And as it's spoken out, we wait and someone will have the interpretation. That is a gift, so it is to speak to the church the will of God and it edifies and strengthens and encourages believers. Then the Bible tells us that there's a third tongue and that is called praying in the Spirit. It is a prayer language or a prayer tongue. This is available to all believers because all believers have the Holy Spirit already interceding and praying within them. Right? I mean, you talk to anybody who doesn't believe in tongues and you'll ask him about Romans 8. Well, is the Holy Spirit interceding in you? Well, yes, of course he is. Is he praying and speaking language to the Father? Yes, he is. All right, well, you speak in tongues. You just haven't manifested it yet. Right? It's there. Is the Holy Spirit interceding for, for all believers? Potentially everybody has the Holy Spirit interceding. So prayer language is just giving voice to what is already happening in here. And it is a baptism, it is an immersion that once you release, you become one with that ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's already in you. But if you're not giving yield to it, if you're not allowing it to happen, you're not enjoying that manifestation that needs to take place into the earth realm. I hope you're following me. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the evidence with tongues or prophecy, something erupting out of you, something issuing forth, showing that you have been immersed into releasing the Holy Spirit. So this praying in tongues is essential. And we speak here and encourage all of you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues or prophesying. What is praying in tongues? 1 Corinthians 14 delineates, and Paul says there's a problem in the Corinthian church. Some of you are praying in the Spirit, and some of you have the gift of tongues. But those of you, most of you are just all praying really loud in tongues, and we can't figure out what's being said or done. It's confusion. So praying in tongues, a prayer language, is to be kept down between you and the Lord at a certain level, and the gift of tongues is to come out over all others as prophecy. But he then goes on to say the difference between a prayer language and speaking the gift of tongues is this. One, it speaks the mysteries of God. We're back to that intercession of the Holy Spirit praying the will and the mind of God. Now in the New Testament, mysteries are to be understood and revealed. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. And so as you would pray and pray and pray through these mysteries, I believe God will give you revelation knowledge. So we're praying mysteries of God, and he also goes on to say the mind is unfruitful. In other words, you're praying in heavenly language. In the Old Testament, they believed that the high priest once a year, when he went into the Holy of Holies, they believed he began to speak the divine language of God in communication with the Lord. That would be tongues. Though it be of men or angels, it is the language of heaven. And the mind is unfruitful. So you don't understand nor discern what you're saying because it is not coming from your will of cognitive reasoning. It is coming out of the Spirit's intercession. You're going like, yeah, well, how does that happen? You give your voice to the work of the Lord. How do I do that? Is this the Spirit comes in and I go, listen, you're already inhabited by Him. He already dwells there. He already lives there. I hope you are possessed. I hope all of you are possessed. 
It's just a matter of what spirit. Are you possessed by the Holy Spirit? Yeah? Some of you don't want to be. You think you're saved, but you don't want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Because that stuff's just a little bit too much for you. Well, I think you want to be owned by him. That's possession. And if you would release him, your mind won't understand. But it comes out of your spirit. So you give voice to that intercession of the Holy Spirit, which takes faith. This is a complete work of faith. And you're waiting for him to do it. He, he, he's not going to do it. You have to walk in cooperation with him. If you keep your mouth shut, guess what? You won't speak in tongues. You won't. Because guess what? If you, speak, if you keep your mouth shut, you won't even speak. This is not really hard. All right, but listen. If you release that power of the Holy Spirit, it is coming not from your brain. But it is your spirit who is edifying you. It's not coming from your brain. It's coming from the spirit man. And Paul says, what am I supposed to do? And he says, I will. It is a cooperation. I will pray with my spirit. I will. How many of you want to make that determination? I will pray in the spirit. I will. I will. I am going to pray with the Holy Spirit. I am going to speak in languages from the spirit. See, if you can't say that, you won't speak in tongues. Because you're not cooperating. And people are like, I, I really want it, I really want it, I really want it. It's like, will you speak in tongues? Well, I don't know. Here's the famous one. I don't know if he wants me to have it. Seriously, it is, really. I mean, I've spoken all these things, believe me. I've been there, I've travailed. I came from a Presbyterian background, coming and meeting a Pentecostal girl. The only reason I came into Pentecost is because I like the girl. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. And she, <laughs> and she spoke in tongues, so I figured I, I better find. I remember crying out, oh God, if you want me. But it's a cooperation. I will. What am I to do? I will pray in my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. So fully with all of my reasoning and logic and understanding, I will pray and put into the English words that I know the will of God and speak it and speak it. But there's a point where I come to a brick wall of my understanding, my intellect, my strength, and my ability, and I cross over by faith into speaking in the Spirit and giving Him the utterance of a perfect prayer. Then he goes on and he says, this thing's so effective, I will sing in the Spirit. And you don't even have to sound good. Just sing. Sing the syllables of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that Holy Spirit sings to Father? Father sings over you. Do you know that there's a love song being sung right now? You have and possess a love song in you that is resonating. You have your own soundtrack, and you don't need earbuds in, man. This soundtrack is flowing in you from heaven. I can't wait. Did you know, uh, uh, um, this is beside the point, but it's still with it. There are scientists that have done studies on your waves, the, the body waves and your DNA, and they put it to music. Everybody's own DNA has a unique song and sound. So there's a spiritual song going on right now in us. Why don't you give words to it and let the Holy Spirit speak it out? Amen. Amen? 
And then he said, and I'm also going to sing with my own mind and heart because I just love to sing too. And you might go, well, how does that happen? How do I connect to that? How do I release that? You go like this, go. It's by faith, right? Uh, uh, just like this, you think well, this is such a mystery. It's so hard to understand. It's really not. It's really not. Because if I were to tell you a joke, all of you would make a sound out of your heart and not out of your head. You'd go, ha, 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 or he, or <laughs> each of you. See, listen to this. Everybody laugh. Somebody laugh. See, everybody's got a different laugh. That is not coming from your brain. It's coming out of the abundance of your heart. Something, it, it's moving. It's no different than that. It is getting so comfortable with the Holy Spirit. It is like laughter. It is a spirit of joy. When you laugh, you don't think about, I'm going to use three he-he's, then a ho, and then I'm going to trail off with a No, you don't. It is so natural to you. Well, let it be supernatural. Let it be spirit natural that you pray out of your spirit. You cry. You don't cry out of your intellect. When you weep, look, at we have different words for crying. We sob, we weep, we cry. Why? Because they sound all different. Do you actually think, now I'm going to sob. I think I'll weep a little, move into a sob, and then just go for a grunt. You don't plan this, you don't speak it, it comes out of the abundance of your heart, it flows out. This is what we're talking about. There is an unquenchable spirit that is active in you, functioning and flowing and wanting to be released, the will of God, and you simply have to, by faith, begin to put syllables to it and it will begin to flow. And it is spirit language. And in just speaking on spirit language, another evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not only speaking in tongues, but accompanied or with or other than tongues is prophecy. To speak out. When, when people were filled with the Spirit, they prophesy. They spoke out. So the bottom line is what is issuing by the Spirit out of your mouth. I know people who have prophesied but haven't spoken tongues yet. And it's like, you can. It's there for you. But they're just used to that's the overflow because they're so gifted in the prophetic that that's the overflow that functions in them. And that, again, is an evidence of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So it is verbal in action because the tongue is the most unruly member of the body and when it is used for the Lord, he bridles this will and purpose for his being and for his glory. And so I conclude with this as we are going to pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be released in such a baptism of joy in your life, I ask this question again, and as Paul said, we must earnestly desire the greater gifts. And, and, he, and when he talks about that, he, he talks about the prayer language as if that's just entry level. That's just, you know, that's a, that's a given. Now earnestly covet and desire greater gifts like prophecy and healing and gifts and miracles and so forth. But really, when he says at 1 Corinthians 14, I want you to love, I'll show you a greater way, which is love, but also to earnestly covet. Earnestly means with red hot desire. To covet means to lust, to want. And so I'm sorry, those words mean one thing to me to be red hot, 
flame on high. If my stove's on high, I'll crank it past high. God wants a people on fire because there's an unquenchable fire in us. And it is time, church, for us to burn. You're wondering why your prayer life is weak because it's limited to your intellect. You're wondering why your prayer life is weak because it's limited to the amount of time you can spend awake. But this unquenchable fire goes beyond your physical strength, goes beyond your spiritual prowess, goes beyond your intellect and your emotion. It is God burning in you. And an energy comes in you that you didn't even know existed. And it is a fire that is burning. And so this is a baptism that will bring such joy to you that is so exhilarating. Would you stand with me this morning? And I want to pray for this baptism, this release of the Spirit of God to be released in our lives this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands with me? This is a biblical form of worship. The Bible says to lift holy hands. Some of you are in warfare today. Some of you are fighting against demons and principalities you didn't even realize you were. Some of you are asking for requests from God on high. You need help from the throne of heaven. Most all of us are wrestling within our own flesh to overcome our stinking attitudes and mindsets. Some of you are plagued with guilt and shame and the Spirit of God wants to pour out. If I would pray a prayer to release the Holy Spirit in this place, could you say, as a people of God, we will receive it? Then let me pray that. Father, in the name of Jesus, as the people of Christ Community Church, as your children, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come baptize this congregation with a greater fire than we've ever had. Release the anointing of Spirit on us. And we, as a people, say what? Amen. Amen. Yes, amen. Say it again for me. We say... Amen.